getting you set for everything Cardinals. In his second game as a Cardinal. Three home runs. This is the Redbird Report Show with Danny Mack. Out there. On 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler, the Kia powerhouse. Shop JimButlerKia.com. Welcome into the show. This is the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Great to have you with us. Reminder, I always visit with Bernie Miklas on Monday mornings, Stalter and Rivers on Wednesday, the Fast Lane on Friday. We talk about everything concerning the St. Louis Cardinals and the world of baseball. Unfortunately, as we all know, no baseball happening right now. So with the baseball season and virtually everything else on hold because of the corona pandemic, news that Major League Baseball and the Players Association have discussed the idea of starting the season with all 30 teams playing in Arizona. And believe me, that has created quite a stir. It's also given those that are involved with the game a lot of hope. MLB said it is not settled on that option or developed a detailed plan, and there currently would be a host of issues to work out and hurdles to clear. Not the least of which is the idea of players and other team personnel living in hotels and essentially being sequestered for upward of at least four months. So how realistic is all of this? Jeff Passan, lead baseball writer for ESPN, along with Buster Olney and Tim Kirchin, appeared on the network today and discussed the latest on that plan. I think we're in a bit of a holding pattern because ultimately, if this is going to get done, it's not just Major League Baseball's choice. The players need to be on board, too. And the MLB Players Association last week was sort of surveying among its members their thoughts on uh, a different variation of plans. There's, of course, the Arizona plan. There's one in Arizona and Florida, which is much less viable, both politically and functionally. And there was, as Tim Kirkton said a couple weeks ago, this thought that maybe we could just export baseball to Japan. I don't think that one's going to be happening. When it's all said and done, it seems like it's going to be Arizona or bust for Major League Baseball. And they have to get to the point where they say to themselves, okay, this is what we're going to try to do, even if we can't ultimately pull it off. I mentioned the name of Tim Kirchin. He was on SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt. There's talk of not only an idea of doing this in Arizona, but maybe even splitting it up and having a league in Arizona at uh, the minor league spring training facilities, and then also one down in Florida. He joined SportsCenter. What does he think about that plan, and could it work? No, I can't see this happening. This is a bad idea. This is one of many bad ideas. Any idea that includes playing only in two states in spring training <clears throat> facilities with no fans in the stands qualifies as a bad idea. However, this is the best of the bad ideas so far. And Scott, in the end, we're going to have to accept the fact that we are going to have to deal with a season that is going to be so bizarre, unique beyond words, that we're going to have a bad plan in place because there's going to be no other choice. I had a guy call me earlier, maybe two weeks ago. He said, here's what's going to happen. We're going to play in Japan. The Japanese <laughs> League is going to get through this faster than America's going to get through it. The Japanese League's going to play at night, and the major leagues are going to play during the day in Japanese stadiums, and that's how we're going to get this thing started. I couldn't even report it. It was so ridiculous, and yet in the end, 
I think something ridiculous is how we're going to play the season if we play the season. Listen, I don't doubt you, but I go back to the commissioner, Rob Manford, on the show saying they wanted to try to have something that looked like a representative schedule. He didn't specify where. Obviously, he can't know specifics. No one could. But, I mean, Tim, if we start playing willy-nilly with divisions and just throwing things out, then what's the point in even having a season and crowning a champion? Because it would be based on something that has nothing to do with, with baseball. All right, it's a good point, Scott. Let's say we don't start until August the 1st and all the divisions and all the leagues are different and we finish on Christmas Day or on Super Bowl Sunday and we still only play 110 games and then we affect next season, 2021, because you ended so late. Those are all possibilities, none of which I think will happen. So you have to be careful with this. Scott, I covered the 81 season. It was terrible but they still played 110 games that year they still played every game with fans in the stands in major league ballparks and we don't have any scenario that approaches that at this point so i'm all for every idea you can come up with i'm going to listen to it but very little has made sense so far the cardinals president is bill dewitt the third he was on the bernie mickless show this past week and was asked about the idea of heading to arizona my reaction is i'm glad baseball is looking at everything you know obviously these are crazy this is a crazy situation for baseball uh, and every everybody for everything but as you just have your baseball hat on they've looked at playing without fans they've looked at different formats to uh, make their have a viable regular season and in, in, in different playoff formats so that you could go into the uh, October, November, maybe even December, who knows, but maybe it's neutral sites, maybe it's a different format, maybe, you know, all these things. And now they're looking at an Arizona plan that we've heard about. Bernie also asked Bill if there is a cutoff date in which the season would end. Yeah, I think there probably is a cutoff point. I mean, it, it's just sort of goes without saying that 10 games is too few, 20 games is too few. 30s probably, you know, for you start to get to 60, 70, 80, you know, then, then that seems more viable, obviously. Um, I think that if you were really compressed schedule-wise, you might start thinking a little bit more about different playoff formats so that um, there wasn't just such a randomness to uh, who got in. And this is just me shooting from the hip. I think a champ. If you're going to crown a champion this year, it has to be a viable champion. I, I believe that. And everybody probably has a little different definition of viable, but for me, it needs to be a somewhat of a substantive regular season, a, a playoff format that um, isn't too much of a crapshoot. So that'll be the main topic of our program tonight. We'll talk about the viability of maybe having a bubble-type situation in Arizona, maybe down in Florida. Ben Fredrickson, Derek Gould, Brian Walton all will chime in on their thoughts. Some other baseball news. Mark Reynolds, a former Cardinal, retired after hitting 298 home runs over 13 seasons with eight teams. Made that announcement over the weekend. He was a prime example of the rise of all-or-nothing masher. Best years came with Arizona. Hit 260 in 09, set a career high with 44 home runs. He had a solid year for St. Louis, just one spent in the Gateway City. Forbes estimates the Yankees are baseball's most valuable franchise at $5 billion, up 9% over last year, 47% more than the number two team, the Dodgers, at $3.4 billion. Yankees are second among all sports in Forbes evaluations to the Dallas Cowboys. 
listed at $5.5 billion in the last NFL ranking. Coming up, we'll visit with Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, the Cardinal beat writer, dive into the situation of maybe going to Arizona, Florida, whatever the case may be. And that's next. This is the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. We are right back to it. More Cardinals talk right now. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia. Redbird Report rolls on on 101 ESPN. So we're talking about the viability of heading to Arizona, sequestering players, maybe for a four-month period, or maybe having it in Arizona or even down in Florida, the Cardinals' spring training home in Jupiter. Who knows? Anything's on the table at this point. Tim Kirkchen even talked about the idea of heading to Japan. But I think the most important thing is that we're still trying to talk about the fact that there could be at least some sort of major league season. Joining me is Derek Gould, the lead beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com. Covers the St. Louis Cardinals day in and day out. Does a remarkable job with that. And Derek, obviously, uh, the, the times keep going on. You're still providing coverage for the paper, but these are some odd times right now. Yeah, just different to uh, cover a game without games, you know, Dan. And it's the same kind of thing that you're doing. We're talking about a sport that, isn't sporting right now so um you find different ways to tell different stories or new stories or you go searching and what are you searching on i I know you've come up with some great stories i I loved the piece on hamilton becoming a doctor i know you're trying to catch up with players and management uh the manager himself mike schilt major league baseball officials um how do you try to cover this with no games what what from your perspective what's it like yeah i mean i think you know uh, you have to pay attention to the news. I mean, you know, that's, that's the big thing is respond to the news. What news is there? Um, sometimes it's, uh, trying to keep, you know, take, to take two steps ahead of the news. And sometimes it's, you know, like the, the Arizona bubble plan where ESPN reported on it. So it's following up on the news. Um, but there's also, you know, there's just a myriad of different stories to tell. Um, I less and less, don't I I don't want to spend time reaching out to people who don't want to talk to me um that's that's no that's not that's not a good use of my time and that's not a good use of their time so if they uh if they don't want to be responsive then I move on and I try to find uh other stories to tell um you know like and that can mean dipping into history um you know Rick Hummel's been doing some really great where are they now pieces um, for me, you know, I, I'm looking at uh, some interactive things that we can do with fans where, you know, what can uh, what kind of setup can we have and then have some give and take some debate, some argument with fans that not only draw on history, but also cover the present. But also I'm, I'm making phone calls constantly to see what, you know, players are up to right now, current players. What, uh, you know, what are they uh, wh- how are they staying in shape? What how are they spending their time? What kind of. Uh, work you know work or commitment or support they're giving their community just different things like that i you know i think there's a lot of different uh stories to tell out there from major leaguers trying to stay in shape to minor leaguers trying to find a way to make money um you can find a lot of different stories out there in the corners um and we also have the whole landscape of cardinal history to pull from to find new stories to tell so i'm looking at theirs too you know, what's amazing is that anywhere I go, um, people ask me, are they going to play? I mean, that's the number one question mm-hmm. I get from just an average fan on the street. So I'll ask you, what do you think? Do you think we play baseball in, in 2020? I uh, I have 
I think they're going to try everything possible to play in 2020 because there's so much money at stake. Um, but I have an answer when people ask me, are they going to play? When are they going to play? And the answer is the same. And no one likes to hear it, but it's true. Is Major League Baseball can talk all they want about when they return, but they are way down the power rankings in determining that, Dan. Um, when it comes to whether or not baseball will play again, First and foremost, the virus decides that. Second, our society and our practices decide that. Third, the government decides that. And then maybe fourth or fifth down the list is Major League Baseball. So while Major League Baseball has to plan for all outcomes, they have very little control, very little control over when they actually get to implement their plans. They have to be ready for the virus to to recede and for government to say, okay, and for our social distancing to have worked and, you know, the, the, the big phrase of flattening the curve, they have to be ready to mobilize um, at, at, at that notice, but they don't have control over when that notice comes. In terms of the Arizona plan, and you mentioned like the bubble or the Truman yeah. Show, it's kind of be kind of like that. <laughs> if, if you've seen that, I think it's like the Truman Show in a way. Um, yeah. Do you think that's a viable plan? And, and secondly, what are you hearing from players about that? Haven't, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of reporters have talked to uh, players. I haven't. I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't spoken to any individual players about that. Um, mainly because um, in the the moment it broke, and then you talk to people involved in it, they uh, there was a lot of skepticism. Um, whether that was from officials or team officials. Um, oh, let me retrace. Actually, yeah, and and from a few players. So yeah, I guess I did in the in the wake of it. Um, but, uh, you know, just there was some healthy skepticism as to how that would work. Um, planting all 30 teams in the Phoenix area, undergoing what would be rigorous and robust tests to make sure everybody was virus free once in and then allowed into the bubble and then not allowed out. Um, I, I just think, you know, in, in talking with people, to me, this is this is my perspective, is that it just caused more questions than it offered answers. It, it had more and more concerns and unknowns, and whether your problem with it was the optics of baseball trying to act normal in a country under crisis, or the notion of, like, what happens if a player tests positive within this bubble? Or, I mean, even, like, something as silly as, and I tried to point this out in an article, they're, they're like something as silly as how do players, if you're not allowed to have a meetings on the mound, how can you have meetings at first base? How can there be a runner and a first baseman at first base? And maybe a coach saying, hey, watch this guy's pickoff move. Are they going to radically change the game so that that scenario doesn't exist? Or how does that work? And then the other part is like they were talking about having social distancing of players. They wouldn't be in the dugout. Right. They would be scattered throughout the empty seats. Right. Why? They just took a bus there. And what's the purpose? If you're under a bubble, then you're clear. So what's the point? I just there were so many different things that seemed contradictory or seemed to be, you know, sort of like, to be honest, it sounded like a brainstorming session got loose and got into the public and MLB's comment um, and statement and their subsequent kind of notice to to reporters was essentially that look a lot of ideas are being kicked around none of them are in the form of a proposal where they could even take it to a city 
Um, so I think this Arizona bubble plan has elements of what would work, but as of today, it, it invites more questions than it offers answers. In your opinion, do you think there's a cutoff date where they say, okay, we're at um, August 1st, and if we're, if we're not playing baseball by August 1st, season is over? Do you, do you get that idea, or do you see it where they say, well, we'll keep pushing it back because we can play into December, and that's what we can do in warm weather areas? Yeah, I think uh, uh, I think that we're not going to have like that drop dead date um, in a summer. Um, I think, you know, that, I think that date is somewhere in the fall, maybe even, as you say, maybe even something as remarkable as if they're not playing by October where they can have some kind of instant postseason. Um, then, uh, you know, maybe that's when it is, you know, b- baseball it, people like, the, you know, I get a lot of questions. I'm sure you do too, about when are they going to play again, but partially when are they going to refund tickets again? Well, baseball wants to play as many games as possible in part because they don't want to refund tickets. Um, I find that very interesting, Dan, you know, all the conversations swirling around baseball, which you and I know well, but also exist swirling around other sports as well is like, okay, well how in baseball's case, how are they going to do right by the minor leaguers in every sports case? How are they going to do right by the stadium workers? Um, You know, less, less a part of the conversation but still part of the world right now is what are they going to do with employees of the team? I mean, how, and, and like in the newspaper, what are they going to do with employees of me? So you have all these questions about like how are big businesses, which baseball is going to do right by quote unquote, the little guy, um, you know, and then at the same time, the question is, well, when are they going to refund ticket money? And it's like the, there has to be some sort of give, and teams are there are going to be teams, maybe not major league teams, but there are going to certainly be minor league teams that are going to break because they're small businesses and they aren't going to come back just like the restaurant down the street isn't going to come back or the bar that you used to like going to isn't going to reopen. And those are and, a lot of those are family owned businesses too, running the smaller yeah, minor league teams. Absolutely. So it's the same kind of thing. And so I get like, I, I completely understand that like people are like, Hey, look, a refund of tickets would be really helpful right now at a financial, uh, you know, financial strain that a lot of families are under. Um, and I totally get that. And they have every right to do that. And then at the same time, on the other side of the tug of war is like, man, it would be really good for these major league baseball teams to pay the salary of the stadium workers who that was their part-time job and now don't have it. And it, it's like, th- you know, the, the, the well isn't infinitely deep as, as much as this is a billion dollar, um, you know, multi 10 billions dollar business. It's a net zero right now. They're not taking in income. And so we have to look at it from that kind of perspective. Um, now the baseball has to make right, de- right decisions by fans, by workers, by players, by all these things. And at the same time, you know, they got zero revenue coming in. So you can understand the motivation for them to want to play some way, somehow, somewhere this season. A lot of it uh, also, when you hear about these different plans, it, it involves not having fans at the ballpark. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Are you okay with that? Nope. I disagree, I, uh, but that's fine. I mean, I think that's where we're at. Yeah. I mean, I've thought, I've, I, I want to agree with it. I do. Um, and I've thought long and hard about this and, Ben Fredrickson, who I know you talked to, um, you know, for your Ben Fred Fridays, 
Um, he and I talked about it um, both during a podcast, but then extensively afterwards, you know, as friends. Um, and I, I've been trying to wrap my head around it. And um, I think that uh, I have a concern that if baseball, two parts of this, one is the romantic and then one is reality. Um, the romantic is, I think of baseball as part of a community. And it's definitely a part of the St. Louis community. It's part of what defines the city. It's part of what defines the city's history. And it's a it's it's a tie that binds us all together. Um, you know, you cannot go around St. Louis on opening day into law offices, into schools, into hospitals and not see people decked out in cardinal gear. It's it's a civic holiday and it's part of what creates a civic identity. And baseball has a connection with community um, that I think is not to be um, ignored. Uh, if anything, it's it's set to be valued. And I think that, um, and this is the romantic part, I think that playing in front of an empty crowd um, is a breach somewhat of that community because it's not bringing the community together. And then that leads to the reality part of it. Um, by not bringing that community together, but by bringing teams together for the express purpose of putting it on TV or for providing, and I get it, fans at home would love to watch it, but I think it gives off a false sense of normalcy. If the country isn't healthy enough, if the crisis isn't over enough for people to gather um, in, their, in their neighborhoods, for people to gather for dinner parties, for people to gather together to watch the game on TV, then how is it right for two teams to gather on a field to play? I, I just think it gives off a, a false sense of normalcy um, that that is inappropriate. And the optics you, you feel would not be good, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I think that like, hey, hey, everybody continue social distancing, but tune in tonight for the Cardinals-Cubs and that collision at second base. I mean, I just think that it, I understand the need of art and entertainment and everything at this time. Um, but, you know, I don't know what show, have you streamed some, watched some movies, Dan, this, this, uh, this, oh, during yeah, this just, quarantine? just a few. <laughs> okay. Well, what, what's, what's been your favorite, you know, uh, better call Saul. I'm watching a yeah, great show. Uh, I'm going to start Ozark here pretty soon. Been watching a lot of old baseball. I, I love going back to MLB network and, seeing the various yeah. games that they have on. So I've been watching a lot of that. I enjoy that. I enjoy the history of the game. So, uh, so for me, that's those, been fun. All those things come feel like from a different time, and some literally are. But like, but Better Call Saul, you're watching, right? And you're like, oh, my gosh, get out of that boardroom. How are you guys eating over the same breakfast table? Don't you have that, like, your skin-crawling moment where you apply today's culture of social distancing on the moment in the show and go, ah, like it makes you, you just, it catches you off guard. Well, I watched when, a guy handshake yesterday. They were shaking hands yeah. and I, it made me yeah. think about it. Yeah. 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 But I, so I'll say this though, Derek. How, how is baseball going to fit into that when you watch it live and you go, oh, hey, that's normal, but I can't go see grandma and grandpa. Because this is the new normal right now, that's, what we're in. That's my, that's my point. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm okay with, if this is how we get baseball and this is a way to, uh, as you mentioned, kind of divert the attention of what's going on in our world and if people would enjoy it. And if the testing is uh, on par with what the average American gets um, and everybody in our population, then I'm okay with it. And I think that yeah. we do need 
something to get us back going. Um, so that's why I would be okay with it. Yeah. I just, I worry. I, I, I want, I want to agree with you, Dan. I really do. And I'm sure people will skewer me for whatever, whatever they think this says about me, but I just, I just have a real hard, I, I think it's a moral question, not a business question. Understood. And I, and I'd like to, I'd like to understand the morality, the ethics of it. Um, and I, and I, and I wrestle with it. I really have. I really, I, I probably spend more time thinking about it personally um, and writing notes to myself and trying to sort through it and read about it, Dan, because, because I know, I know if they start up again in front of empty stadiums, um, whether or not the media is part of that, I don't know. So we have to figure out, do we cover it from a distance or do we get to cover it there? Are we part of the bubble? Are we not part of the bubble? Who's part of the bubble? Who's not part of the bubble? All that stuff. So we have to make a decision. And so I, I understand that there would be benefit and, and if fans want to see the game that overwhelms the opinion of one meager baseball writer, but I cannot lie and not say that part of me wonders if that's sending the right message. Understood. What, what do you think? And I'm going to use Adam Wainwright as a great example, a guy that's made a lot of money. He's at the back end Mm -hmm. of his career. And let's just say for argument's sake that they say, okay, we're presenting the bubble. We're going to do this. We're going forward. What do you think the appetite is for guys? And I'm not saying to speak on Adam's behalf. I'm just using him as an example of that type of player. Hopefully that's understood. What do you think the appetite is for players that have made a lot of money? And clearly, if you do come back, revenues are going to be cut significantly. And that also means you would have to thank player salary to be in conjunction with owners so that everybody is somehow made a little bit whole through what you could make off of this. What do you think the appetite is for these players to come back and do this? It's a great question. Um, you know, I mean, they're, they're competitive by nature. That's why they're great. Um, that's why they're elite at what they do. They're driven by it. Um, I think, I don't, I think it's going to be, well, I think, but part, part of me knows from talking to guys, um, that it's definitely going to be individual decisions. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, you, you have a few guys who, I mean, like Colton Wong is in this situation, right? This was the season where he was going to make the most money of his extension. This is the season that he was building toward. Oh, and he's got an option for next year. So he has to earn that option um, and also play for that option to be rolled Matt Carpenter style into an extension. Um, One that would set him and his family up for life um, if he plays well. Well, now there's not games to play. Um, so he's made a considerable amount of money enough to live on for a long time. Um, but he also has a lot more at stake. Uh, so his motivation is a little bit different than like you were talking about, like Wainwright, who has had a full career, two extensions, lots of success. Um, so his decision would be more um, along the, the, the competitive vein than say the the career vein and I, I think I think it's just player by player um, we, we both know players that are chasing championships that they'd like to have adorn the final years of their career um, Yadier Molina stands out as as one who has made that very clear um, and we both know young guys who have yet to strike it rich um, in this game and have all the talent in the world Jack Flaherty being one um, so I, I, I don't know. The motivation is going to be as different as 
the number of batting stances in the game. It's it's going to be fascinating because some are going to uh, um, some are going to have to make tough choices, and you know it, it is possible that anybody involved in the bubble, um, if that's the direction things go, and it certainly seems like at least part of that plan is going to be feasible at some point in 2020. Um, it would be being away from family. Yeah, and that's the the question. One of the big questions with this. Uh, a couple more, and I'll let you go. Um, as you talk to players, how are they trying to stay sharp? Whether you're a position player or a pitcher, and trying to stay sharp during this time. Yeah, and, um, it's interesting talking to guys. Um, so most of the pitchers have kind of plateaued. Some were told to scale back, take a break, um, and then resume. Uh, take a break from throwing meaning off a mound and all that stuff, not take a break from like working out and everything like that. Um, so they, they're kind of holding serve. Um, talk to some hitters. They're doing three times a week. Um, you know, Colton Wong made an interesting point about he personally, and he's talked to other teammates about this, are trying to stay on their feet as much as possible. Um, that's a little known part about spring training. And it's a big part of it is how much, players are just standing up yep. and whether that's standing up in the field, standing up, waiting to hit, standing up in the box, standing up, talking. Um, and that's, that's, it's a small thing, but it's a big part of what spring training does to get guys ready for a season where they're going to be spending hours upon hours on their feet. And um, so Colton Long, a few other guys, you know, they're making sure that that's what they're doing. They're staying on their feet. Um, so you, uh, you know, that for Colton, that means putting on some, a weighted vest and walking around. That means putting on a weighted vest and just being on his feet in his house. Um, just different things like that. And you hear guys doing that. So, um, you know, hitters are, they're measuring their swings, um, but trying to stay, um, stay at least uh, physically fit um, and then count on the short spring training to find their timing. And then the final question, um, if this does come back in any kind of form, at least initially, yeah. you're going to have to carry a lot of guys. And yeah. especially we're, if you get, if you went to Arizona and you're playing 110 degree heat, you're going to have to carry more position players too. You're talking 30, 35 guys, I think on a roster, which then takes you to over a thousand players, a thousand, yeah. over a thousand, well over a thousand. Maybe you take your whole 40 man. I don't know, but how do you think That's that would discussed? Yeah, I, I, I'm really curious in how they would do that with the expansion of rosters to make sure you had enough players that were healthy enough to go day in and day out, doubleheaders, yeah. those kind of things. Um, yeah. What do you think would what a roster would look like? Well, we know that the rosters are going to be bigger when they return. We know that. We know that they're going to be larger than 26. Um, you know, it, we're, we know that there's going to be some protocols in place where there might be an active roster with inactive players, you know, like hockey, healthy scratches, that that's one possibility. Um, we know that one of the discussions in the bubble plan or the relocation plan or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, involves 40 man roster going and that being available to the team, which, which poses some fascinating questions for the Cardinals, right? Like if just like say baseball says, okay, we're going to relocate to the desert. Um, we're free and clear come July, and we're playing two months in Arizona. Bring your 40-man roster, right? Okay. Absolutely, yeah. So the Cardinals then have to make a decision on, is Dylan Carlson part of that 40-man roster? Is yeah. Zach Thompson part of that 40-man roster? Because you know 
in the crucible of a two-month bubble baseball, you're going to have to make a call on do you take your best 40 players as far as talent or do you take your best or your your 40-man response to service time and salary and blah, 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 blah. All right? Because the team that makes that takes the best 40-man roster into that may be the best team. Right. And right. that that may be that's a competitive edge that some that every team is going to have to face and every team is going to have to face. All right. You know, I mean, you think about it like like we can all point to the teams that are tanking or the teams that don't look like all that good. Man, tell me what the Reds would look like if they get to take their whole 40 man roster and, sure. you know, and n- not the 40 man roster they currently have, but their best 40 man roster. I mean, there's going to there's going to be some team that looks a lot different because it's willing to take some young guys into that kind of scenario because those young guys are their best players. And the Cardinals are definitely in that spot. Derek, great stuff. Really, really good stuff. Thank you so much. I know the fans appreciate the update on what's happening. Stay uh, stay safe and stay healthy, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up very, very soon. Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. Good to talk with you, Dan. Please stay healthy. Hope everybody's well in your family. And, uh, you know, it sounds like, well, what are we going to have to live together for four, four and a half months? You know? I, I'm open to it. I'm I'm all I'm all about it. If we can get baseball, let's do it. I'm in that camp. All right, we can finish Better Call Saul together. We are right back to it. More Cardinals talk right now. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia. This is the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN, and we're getting uh, a number of different folks uh, chiming in on whether or not it is a viable plan to go to Arizona or maybe even Florida, split up the two leagues, and have baseball at some point this year, whether it be with fans or not. Quarantining players potentially for four months, if not longer. And I want to bring in Ben Fredrickson of the Post-Dispatch to the conversation. Ben, uh, as always, appreciate your time. Where, where do you stand on this as far as what may happen and, and potentially having guys go out to Florida? Well, it didn't surprise me. I mean, some people think, oh my gosh, there's no way this can work. But here's the deal. They're going to be talking about ideas. So some of these ideas are going to get out. We know how baseball works. They come up with a tentative plan, and there's almost always a trial balloon that gets out. And baseball says, this is premature. This isn't what's actually happening, but yet it's out there. So I think this is what baseball always does, where it comes up with a plan that may or may not work, and it kind of floats it to see how how it's received. And, and that's what's happened on previous rules and previous changes baseball has made. So we're seeing it happen here again. Of course, they're discussing things in ways this could work. I see some problems with it. And, you know, it's frustrating to me because here's what happens where this comes out and you say, hey, I see some potential hangups here. And then you're immediately criticized for saying, oh, you're so negative. Why can't you be positive? Well, I guess we can all be you know, we can all be Dabo Sweeney where we say it's going to come back. It's going to be great. But, you know, our job is to actually vet this thing and see if it could and couldn't work. And there are some problems with these scenarios. Um, let's start with what I mentioned earlier is, you know, a baseball player who's a father of, of three going to say, yes, I will play the whole season or as long as needed away from my family and not be able to see them in person. Because if you allow families to enter that setting, that controlled environment, that hotel um, that quarantined hotel, if you will, then that increases the risk for exposure that much more every time the family leaves. The the thing here, this will work 
well until a player gets coronavirus. And it's probably inevitable that a player will get it at some point. What happens when that happens? Do you shut down that team? Do you shut down just that player? Do you shut down the entire league? What do you do? So, you know, this only really works as long as you keep all the players from getting it. Perhaps that's unrealistic, but I guess you could try it and see how long you could go um, with the the determination of we'll figure that out when we get there because that's kind of what we're we're all doing. So if that's the plan, you have to really try to minimize the exposure for everyone who is, you know, influential and, and, and elemental to having these games. Um, that means no family, no interactions with with people other than teammates and 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 guys who are absolutely necessary. How long would they be willing to do that? Um, they would have to sign off on this, of course, the union. The other thing would be the fact that you have to play all these games in Arizona. Apparently, it's hot as hell in Arizona in the summer. Oh yeah, and not every not every place is air conditioned. You know, you're gonna have are players gonna be willing to do that? How does that how does that work out? Um, the other thing too because you're not going to have a minor league system going, how big do the rosters get? You know, because you're going to have injuries, you're going to have setbacks, you're going to have probably a lot of pitching injuries. So how, how big are the rosters willing to get? Some of the stuff is goofy. Like this idea that you're going to have the players social distance themselves in the stands, as opposed to be in the dugout, I guess that shows a good perception, but you know, it's not like there's not going to be a tag play at second base. It's not like the umpire is going to be, you know, not going to be interacting with the the catcher. Um, and I don't think you're going to want to go to an electronic strike zone in a, in a season that includes so much more change um, because imagine all the problems that could happen with that and all the hijinks that might take place um, in such an altered setting. So I see some problems. The biggest one being I have a hard time. Maybe I'm wrong. And I know everybody wants to get paid. So getting paid is the unifying factor here. But you know a lot of players. Um I don't I, I just don't see players saying, yeah, you know, we'll go to a hotel and, and not be around anybody else other than our team for an extended period of time. I, I see them pushing back against that. And I think some will. I, I do, too. Um, and I think some players that uh, maybe have been established and have made plenty of money say, you know what, yeah. I, I don't really want to go through this. How about no fans in the stands? Um, whether or not it's an Arizona bubble plan or maybe at Bush Stadium, it seems like the prevailing thought is that if sports return, it would be without fans in the stands. As it pertains to baseball, would it would it bother you if you saw a game with no fans in the stands, but it was on television? Um, it doesn't. I mean, I don't think it's it's not as good as it would be, right? I mean, ideally, we're all there, um, you know, and and including you know media fans, everybody. But if I I think ultimately fans want to see games, whether they're there or not. So for me. I think any game is better than, than an altered game or better than, than no game. An altered game is better than no game. It's kind of where I sit on this. And I think most fans agree. Um, ideally, you know, you might have a few romantics who say, yeah, let's wait until it's back in full force and everybody's there together. Um, but I think nine out of 10 people would say, yeah, I'd like to be able to turn on my TV and see a game going. I'd like to have my fantasy league active. I'd like to, I'd like to get sports back, even if it's without fans in the stands. So I think baseball would agree with that too. Um, talking to John Moselock, I said, what are you hearing? And he said, most people are telling me they want to see games. And and I agree with him. I do too. I, I think even if there's not fans in the stands, but you have as a fan, a chance to watch something that has meaning and it's not a rerun of every single game now that we've seen and chronicled in the history of sports 
Um, I, I think people want that. I, I just think people need a diversion. And if we're finding out anything about, and we're finding out a lot about a different subjects, but with as it pertains to sports and baseball, boy, does baseball play a big role in a lot of folks' lives in America. And certainly that's the case here in St. Louis. Yeah, and I think the ratings on some of these replayed games are not what some of these uh, some of these carriers are hoping they would be. Um, you know, people, Tony La Russa said it best when I talked to him a few weeks ago. The problem with watching the replays is you know what's going to happen. Yeah. And even if it, no matter how great it is, you've been there and done that. And, you know, it, it is watching something that there's no suspense, there's no intrigue, there's no, there's no unknown to it. And, and, and unless you're just a, you know, it's such a great game. And, and really, like, you could probably whittle the list of games that needed to be rewatched down to like 10. And we're, we're past the point of 10 at this point. Oh, yeah. So so at some point you're watching, you know, just seeing something that you've seen before is I don't watch movies twice very often. It's got to be a really good movie. And uh, I can probably count on one hand the, the amount of time to go, God, I'd like to see that movie again. And I feel the same way about games. That's Ben Fredrickson. We'll continue the baseball conversation in a moment and talk about this plan potentially happening. Could the Cardinals in baseball go to Arizona or Florida, whatever the case may be? This is the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. We are right back to it. More Cardinals talk right now. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia. Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. We do this every week on 101 as we talk Cardinals baseball, even though there's not a season right now, and what's happening uh, with the major leagues. And our focus tonight has been on, is it a viable plan to go to Arizona or Florida? And many folks have weighed in. I was uh, mentioning earlier that I appear on Bernie Miklas' show every Monday. And this morning, he asked me about Dylan Carlson and just what this season, a lost season, might mean for him and some others. If you don't have a minor league season, then you know you don't want to stunt his growth. So is some playing time in the major leagues better than none? Maybe. Is bringing him up the best thing for his growth? Maybe. I think that's on the table because the trickle-down effect of this, and I don't think many people have thought about it, are the minor leagues. So going forward, I'm not sure – Number one, how you would construct a minor league season. Um, you know, you, are you going to put them all in one place too to make sure you have your reserves ready in case somebody gets hurt or somebody's struggling and you need to call somebody up? And if you're not going to play, you know, you can only take so much BP. And I know he's been working out with his dad and, and guys are working out with, you know, the available people at their disposal that they can, but it's still not the same as live action. So, I think maybe that's part of the equation, too, of, of thinking about what you do with Dylan Carlson and maybe some others. For more on the minor leagues, let's bring in Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. He covers the Cardinals minor league system 365 days a year. So you got guys like Nolan Gorman, Matthew Libertor, Dylan Carlson, all that are top prospects. And, Brian, kind of a fallout of this is what happens to their development going forward if there is no major league or minor league season. Well, certainly the year of development, you're right, Dan. Every player that's trying to reach the major leagues wants that year of competition, wants that year of learning. And sometimes the learning is positive, some of it's negative, but it all you know, goes into the overall picture to help make them better ballplayers. And no matter how good working out at home is, this is like an off-season. This isn't like a regular season. It's not the same thing. And so 
certainly, you know, every, every player, you know, is going to, you know, feel like they w- didn't get the same opportunity. Now, the, the good news is, you know, uh, young players don't, they get a year older, but they don't, they don't, you know, uh, significantly move toward the end of their career. You have some of the older players who are in their 30s, mid-30s, late 30s, you know, Yadier Molina, who doesn't have that many years left, losing a whole year right now, you know, is a huge deal, or an Adam Wainwright. So, you know, every player at every level kind of has their own set of concerns and worries. The PA announced payments for non-roster veterans uh, <clears throat> as it concerns to the minor leagues. Uh, explain how that works. Yeah, that's, that's a, it was an announcement made by the Players Association this past week, and it's sort of is a bunch of players that were sort of caught in the middle. And what I mean is we talked earlier about the $170 million that's being distributed to the, to the 40-man roster guys. We talked about the $400 per week that's being given to all the minor leaguers. <clears throat> now, the non-roster players in Major League Camp, most of them are young, at least in the Cardinals, 19 out of the 20 non-roster guys that are still left in Major League Camp are all young players. So they're, they've, they've never played a day in the Major League, so they're not used to any you know, big salaries. But take a guy like Matt Wieters a year ago. Matt Wieters, who had been in the Major League his whole career, established Major Leaguer, but the Cardinals had roster issues, so they said, hey, Matt, you know, come to camp on a minor league deal. Don't worry. Just get into shape, and by the end of camp, we'll work things out, and you'll be on the roster. Well, there's a whole bunch of Matt Wieters this year who were caught in the middle. They couldn't participate in the $170 million, and so they were only getting the 400 a week like minor leaguers. So the Players Association basically stepped in and created a fund that said for any of these guys with one day or more of Major League service time, They'll provide a fund to help them uh, cover this bridge, um, which because these guys were, you know, kind of, as I said, kind of caught in the middle. The only guy in Cardinals camp that this applies to right now is catcher Oscar Hernandez, who is a uh, basically a journeyman guy who was brought in and would likely be the, the veteran guy with Andrew Kisner in Memphis this year. What are you hearing about uh, player communication or workout plans with those players? What are you hearing? Well, the Cardinals have been very proactive, and, and John Mozalek had a, a call with uh, members of the media that we uh, participated in this last week, and he you know, gave updates on uh, you know, how the Cardinals are using uh, both personal communication but also online tools to help the team, uh, help the players on all levels of the organization, uh, that help them customize workout plans for these guys based on what's equipment available to them. Because let's face it, a lot of these guys would go to a health club or to a gym to work out. Well, those places are off limits. So now it gets down to, you know, what equipment does the player have at home or, you know, in his family unit that, that he can use to work out. And so you maybe have to change his workout regimen somewhat to compensate for what he has. And then, of course, the Cardinals also have uh, a bunch of communication tools that enable them to to uh, communicate electronically with different groups of players across the system. So, you know, they're certainly um, – doing everything they can to keep everybody uh, on target to get ready to come back to play whenever it is. I find it interesting that we'd be talking a lot about this, but the Major League Baseball minor league operating agreement and those talks obviously right now, they're, they're on the back burner, aren't they? They really are, Dan. And the way that the time sequence worked, it looked good because the minor league agreement expires at the end of September this year. And then, of course, the major league uh, cooperative bargaining agreement expires at the end December of 2021. So the idea was, well, they'll use this year to kind of get the minors in shape, and then next year they'll get the major league agreement locked down. Well, now with everybody focused on what to do about the coronavirus, this whole agreement between the major leagues and the minor leagues is, is uh, w- according to rumors, really isn't a pri- priority right now. And 
you can understand from the major league side why that's the case. They've certainly got bigger fish to fry. But the challenge from the minor league side is that a number of these 160 minor league teams that are out there are locally owned businesses. Uh, and they are just like every other small business out there hurting right now. They don't have big TV contracts. Their revenue, their primary revenue source is based on people coming to ball games, ball games that aren't being held and may not be held at all. Because, you know, one of the things we don't have any idea is what kind of minor league seasons are they going to be? Which levels are going to play and when are they going to start? Um, and, you know, we're not talking about 30 cities or in the case of major league baseball or one city like Phoenix, we're talking about 160 different cities and you know, spread all over the country. So, you know, the whole issue of minor league baseball is going to be tough. Now, on the positive side, U.S. government announced the CARES Act, which was specifically designed to give financial assistance to small businesses. And, it, you know, looks like minor league baseball, you know, lines up with that really well. The challenge is, though, that that money won't be forgiven unless the businesses keep their same number of employees for right. the next two years. Right, yeah. So now you're in this environment where we don't know for sure that these owners don't know for sure, hey, am I going to get contracted as part of this next agreement? You know, what's my future? And so it, it sort of almost feels like these cuts are going to happen, not because of Major League Baseball necessarily, but because of the environment that we're in has put some of these minor league teams, especially the ones on a weak financial foundation, you know, might be the difference between them being able to stay in business and not. That's Brian Walton. This has been the Redbird Report. Many thanks to Ben Fredrickson, Derek Gould, and others for making sure that we come to you. And as long as uh, we keep it going, I hope you tune in as we'll talk baseball, Major League Baseball, and things happening around the sport every single week right here on 101 ESPN. That was the Danny Mac Report on 101 ESPN, brought to you by Jim Butler, the Kia powerhouse. Shop JimButlerKia.com.